Hi, Kylie. Welcome to Homemade News. Yes. Hi, Shara. Thanks for having me on. What does a day look like for you, a complete day? So right now I am currently in the the very tail end of the legislative session here in North Dakota. So all of my day is spent at the state capitol. Um, typically committee meetings all morning, floor session in the afternoon, phone calls and meetings in between, and sometimes there's time for meals in there. Um, and then evenings are usually meetings with other organizations or just social meetings when I need to get away from people. Um, and then, of course, part-time outside of the legislative session right now, I'm also, as you know, I've taken on the role of chair of the Democratic Party. So there's plenty of work to be done there, and that takes up a lot of my free time after I leave the Capitol. Um, and then once I leave a legislative session, I will be back into the law school world. I have one year left of law school. How did you get into this? So I actually started, my official involvement was with the University of North Dakota student government. Um, I served on our student senate for a few years and then um, ran for student body president and served in that role for a term. Um, and during that position, actually, during my work with student government, I had the opportunity to get to know local legislators from my from my city um, and community leaders and got involved with some higher education policy work. And throughout that time, I, you know, I guess I got to know the local legislators and a group of them actually asked if I would be interested in running with them during the next election after my term with student government was up. Um, and I, I laughed at that idea because I had no idea what it meant to run for office at that level. Um, I didn't know what would be expected of me. And um, but I took I took the question seriously though, and that took some time to think about it and got to know others who were involved. Talked to some women in particular because I know that the experience for women running for office can be very different. Um, and I decided that it was a really good opportunity. You know, I had seen throughout my small involvement through student government that there was a lot of things that I was maybe unhappy about or that I thought could be done better. And I grew up in the western half of North Dakota, right in the oil boom, in the oil patch, um, and I wasn't particularly pleased with how our state was handling that development. So I saw a lot of opportunities to to get involved and make sure that my voice and the voice of other young people was at the table. So I took them up on the offer to run my first campaign in 2012 and was successful. So now I'm just at the end of my four-year term. This is my last session. I will be up for re-election next year, and we'll see where my story goes from there. So what were you not happy about with regards to the oil boom? Generally, the oil activity we've seen in North Dakota has been very, very good for our state. Our, our economy is, is through the roof. We've, we've brought in a lot of new people, a lot of new industries, created a lot of jobs, and that's, that's all really, really good. Um, but I wanted to ensure, and I wasn't, wasn't positive that we were getting there, that we were maintaining a high quality of life for those who are living in the oil patch making sure that our communities are safe and they're strong communities. So, you know, it's still a, a place that people are proud to call home. And I didn't see that the state had quite gotten there yet. And I don't think we are quite there yet, but we've made a lot of progress. And we're investing a lot in infrastructure in Western North Dakota now. Uh, and we're taking more time to discuss things like human trafficking and what impact the oil boom has had on crimes like that in our state. Um, we're taking it seriously. I mean, I didn't think that even three years ago that we were quite there, that we were ready to talk about the downside of the oil boom. But 
and I certainly don't take credit for that. I think it's a lot of people have come to the table and are willing to roll up their sleeves and get to work. Um, but I saw a lot of those things that weren't being addressed, and I wanted to be a part of that conversation. The state has seen increased human trafficking because of because of the oil boom? Yes, I guess mostly because of the increased number of people coming in. Um, some of our smaller towns in western North Dakota have I mean, their population has doubled or probably tripled in some cases. Um, and so with that comes a lot of money out in the oil patch right now, and there's a lot of people who end up with a schedule of maybe two weeks on, two weeks off. They end up with a lot of time on their hands, and, and that environment is just created um, an unfortunate opportunity for those who think that commercial sex is an okay way to make a living. Um, and by that I mean by selling other people, not those who are who are coerced into trafficking. Um, and we've we've noticed that I actually was just at a talk this past weekend with our outgoing U.S. attorney, who talked about his experience in in prosecution of human trafficking. Um, and he has certainly seen the increase from his end. And it's you know that's a scary thing for small towns who who didn't necessarily have the law enforcement capabilities, didn't have the services for victims in place. And we, we did a good job this session of passing some comprehensive legislation that will look at how we prosecute and, and how we better serve victims. So so absolutely, yes, we've seen an increase in the number of, of the crimes, and I don't think we've even really touched the tip of the iceberg as to what's actually happening out there. I was listening to NPR last week, and they highlighted North Dakota because it's one of the 13 states that still bans gay marriage. Um, and so, yeah, so I was curious kind of what, um, what you think will happen with gay marriage in, in North Dakota. Yep. So North Dakota is one of the states that's actually in a federal lawsuit right now. Um, we are, I don't remember which states we're all in that lawsuit, but our circuit is taking up the case right now. So we're, I guess we're patiently waiting to see what the U.S. Supreme Court decision will be this summer, I believe, June, maybe they're making a decision. Um, and I think it's fair to say that we expect that the North Dakota constitutional ban on gay marriage will be overturned. Um, I don't think our state has really taken time structurally to look about to look at what that'll mean for us be it through taxes or um, through anything else, you know, that it that comes with with marriage. Um, we did just this session we had a bill up that would have prohibited discrimination based on sexual orientation or gender identity in employment and housing. This is the third time that our legislative assembly has seen that bill, and it was the third time that the bill was defeated, um, which was really, really disappointing. Um, and I, you know, I think a lot of our younger generation is getting to a point where that's not even something we think about. You know, we wouldn't consider that it's it's legal and acceptable to discriminate against someone. Um, but, you know, we have we have an aging legislature and an aging population in a lot of ways. So we didn't we didn't quite get to the point of passing that bill. And that concerns me if the marriage ban is overturned this summer. So what that means in effect is someone could legally get married in the state of North Dakota. A same-sex couple could legally get married, um, and then one of their partners could go to work and be fired because of it, or be kicked out of their housing because of it, because we don't have those protections in place. So, 
and that's a scary thing. I mean, that's that's somebody's whole life being turned upside down. So, so I hope that we'll get there. I think there's a lot of conversations that have been started. Um, there's been a lot more support in the past years for it. Um, so we'll get there. It just it's taking more time than some of us would like. Well, is that hard? Where, firstly, you, you are you are a woman and you are young, and then you're saying that you know the legislation the legislative body in North Dakota, and probably this is the same throughout the country, is much older and a different demographic. So is it hard where you feel like you're this minority, but you're also having to really take on some of these positions? It's certainly a challenge to be a young woman in the North Dakota legislature, but I think it's it's also a lot of fun, too. I mean, yes, I'm in the minority, both as a, a female, as a young person, and as a Democrat. So I'm kind of the trifecta minority when it comes to the North Dakota legislature. Um, and there's certainly been some instances where I feel like I've been treated differently or um, have wor- had to work a little harder to get the respect of my colleagues. But more often than not, most of my colleagues are very respectful and um, they bring me to the table, and I'm a part of the conversation just as much as anybody else. Um, but I think the the positive side of me being involved and what I've seen is that, you know, I speak to high school classes or college classes um, or do outreach with community groups that I'm involved in and, you know, get to speak to young men and women, and they get to see someone who's kind of in the same stage of life as they are, and they see that I'm doing this, and then they realize that they can do this too. You know, it's not just reserved for people who, who have a certain career or have a lot of money or have this, you know, certain skill set. It's, we expect that all people are um, able to get involved with this process. And I, so I've been really forthright about encouraging other young women particularly to get involved in politics, whether that's working for a campaign or running for office themselves. And I think that's really valuable. I think that's, that's how we start changing the conversation and getting more people involved is by those of us who are here reaching out to others and bringing them along with us. And so, I, you know, I've taken that role very seriously to, to do outreach, and I, I think it's really important, and I hope that I can continue that as well. Do you feel like your friends can relate to what you're doing? Like, you know, I, I just imagine I, we're actually the same age, and you're okay. dealing yeah. with some very, you know, I mean, you, you have a lot of responsibility, and then it's also like this is also around the time that a lot of us have our quarter-life crises and things like that. Right. <laughs> the most difficult experience I had with that in particular was after my first legislative session in 2013. So I was 23 at the time. Um, it was before I had started law school, so I was in between my school years, and I, you know, I finished the session, and I came back to Grand Forks, where I represent, and I, I realized that I no longer knew how to have conversations about anything except politics and policy and what was happening in the Capitol, because I had been so enveloped in that process, um, and had consumed all of my days and all of my time when I came back, and I didn't know how to relate to people anymore, and <laughs> in that, you know, and it's a little bit of an exagger- exaggeration, but that's what it felt like, you know, I didn't know what was going on in anybody's lives because I, I hadn't paid attention. And it was only a few months, of course, that I was in session. But And I've, I think what I found, though, is I, I have to do a good job of maintaining strong relationships with those that are involved with the process with me, those who either serve in the legislature or who, 
who are advocates who are here. Um, so I maintain those friendships and relationships. And then I have to have separate relationships with people who are removed from this process um, who still take time to try and understand what I'm doing and they respect what I'm doing here, but that's not then the only thing that we talk about. Um, and I think that that's very hard to manage, um, to balance those two worlds, um, but it's it's a learning process and I, I'm not saying I'm, I'm great at it, but I think it's, it's important and I'm getting better at managing those two worlds and, and maintaining relationships inside the Capitol and outside the Capitol. So yes, it's definitely hard for people to relate to what goes on here, um, regardless of their age or gender or where they're at in life, because what we do here is <laughs> it's very different for everybody. It's, it's a whole new world when you step inside the Capitol and you're in this, this grind every day. And then also, you, you said that in your first session, and this is kind of going back to the previous question, that you said in your first session you had seven different bills on who could access abortion. I'm curious if there would be seven bills if more women were in your position and running for office. I would think there wouldn't be. Um, you know, it's not always fair to say that all women oppose those types of bills because actually the prime sponsors of two of them were women, Republican women here in North Dakota. Um, but I think generally the consensus from voters is that they don't support measures like that. Um, you know, what we saw in North Dakota during the last election cycle was we had a ballot measure that would have created a constitutional amendment. We called it the personhood amendment. Um, that essentially said, you know, like all life must be respected or must be protected was the bottom line, and that measure was defeated in North Dakota resoundingly. I think it was a 60% margin, and the two prime sponsors of abortion bills, two women, or two incumbent Republican legislators were ousted. Um, they were replaced um, by challengers. So, you know, we saw that voters weren't happy with that conversation dominating our time in the Capitol. Um, so I think, I think electing more women would absolutely change the conversation. We've seen that this session, we have the highest number of women serving in the North Dakota legislature that we've ever had. It's still small, we're at 19%, but it's more than we've had. And what we've seen this session is that we've changed the conversation from one of restricting access to promoting access to healthcare through bills that would have allowed greater access to family planning services, um, a bill to create, or that requires employers to provide reasonable accommodations for pregnancy, for their employees, um, and all, all different bills, equal pay, things like that. So we, we changed the conversation from one that was that seemed to be negative towards women towards one that was positive, and we looked at how we overall can strengthen the economic security of North Dakota's women, um, and that was all brought forward by female legislators. And so I'm, I'm proud of those efforts, and I do think it changes the conversation. I can't say, you know, unequivocally we wouldn't have those bills and they wouldn't pass but I definitely think it'd be a lot harder to get them through if there was more women elected to office. What is your favorite part of the job? Ooh, my favorite part of the job, I think, this will sound really cheesy, but I think the fav my favorite part is you know, not the people that I get to meet and the connections that I make, but also the real, genuine opportunity to make a difference um, and connect with people who need something, who need an advocate. Um, you know, Just today I had a bill signing, but we do a little a photo opportunity with the governor when you get a bill passed and he'll 
they'll sign your bill and take a picture. And so I had a family in there that had asked me to introduce the bill. And, you know, the father who was in that family just shook my hand and said, thank you. You went above and beyond, and we really appreciate it. And, and that meant the world to me. You know, if I had nothing else happen good this session, I had somebody who really appreciated my time and efforts, and that meant a lot. Um, and I think that's that's a really valuable experience. Um, and that's I, I would say that's definitely my favorite part, the opportunity to, to make positive change for somebody else, to make a difference for somebody else. And what else is on your agenda? Long-term or policy-wise? Actually, both. Both. Well, I think the top of my policy agenda this session has been um, chairing the Democratic Women's Caucus, and we compiled a a list of bills that better support women and children. So, you know, supporting our families in North Dakota and supporting economic security through equal pay initiatives and safe workplace initiatives, human trafficking bills, anti-human trafficking bills, um, and looking at better health care options for all women in North Dakota. And I think those have really been at the top of my policy agenda. So I think long-term, and I, I can't fail to mention that the other half of my agenda is always higher education. You know, being a student myself and representing a lot of students, I'm very concerned about rising costs of higher education and making sure that it we maintain affordability and access to higher education. Um, I really value value higher education, and I think everybody should have that opportunity. Um, in North Dakota, our public university system is great, and we, we do a really good job, and I want to maintain that. Um, beyond policy, I think long-term, I don't know what my plans are. Um, in the next year, I can tell you I want to finish law school and graduate and pass the bar exam, and then I want to run for re-election and hopefully come back to Bismarck. Um, but beyond that, I don't have specific plans, and I think and I enjoy that. I like not knowing what's next and not having a set plan that I need to stick to. Um, I think what I've seen is every every year for the past five years of my life, a new door has opened, um, and I've had different opportunities arise. And I'm you know I'm grateful for that. It's I realize not everybody has that, so I try to take full advantage of those opportunities and pull others along with me along the way. Um, so I like I said, I'm not sure what's next, but I'm, I'm sure it'll be something fun and exciting. When do you do laundry? When do I do laundry? <laughs> That's a great question. Um, usually on weekend, if I have time, or I will ask my boyfriend to do laundry for me. <laughs> okay. Well, I just wanted to ask, since you are so busy and you clearly have a lot on your plate, but you're you're working really hard for your citizens, and you know, it sounds like you're you're doing some really meaningful work. Yeah, I'm I'm sure trying to. <laughs> Thank you so much for taking the time to speak with us. Thanks, Shara. I appreciate it. Take care. Bye, Kylie.